Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. So, raising, raising G-rated kids in an X-rated world. Here's what I want you to do. You guys have your uh, outline on there. Will you, right there on the top of your outline, will you write the word difficult? Just write that That's on there. That's not... Well, I'm not talking about, don't describe your kids. That's not what I'm saying. Or your spouse. <laughs> what? Uh, no, no. Uh, I'm talking about the process. The parenting process can be a little bit challenging for some of us, right? How many, how many parents do we have in the room right now? You have like kids at home, parents with kids at home. Let me see your hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you describe it as difficult? It can be, right? Some of the time. How about... Uh, Wait a minute. I, I saw a couple of kids in the room like, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. This is not a problem at all. How about this? Do we have any single parents in the house? They, right? Like, easy, up, easy. They're like, difficult is too easy of a word. Try impossible. Like, try that one. Or how about, uh, do we have any grandparents in the house? Do we have any grandparents? your hands up. I know you've been up since how about, four. How about grandparents with, ki- with grandbabies in the house with you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the people who've been up since four. Wait, where are the empty nesters though? Let me see your hands. Let me see empty nesters. Look at you. Look at them smiling. They're so happy. They're so happy. But then there's such thing as a Whatever, boom. Whatever, it's still work. It's still work. Raising adult children is still a deal. Yeah, that's true. Except there are boomerang parents because you thought your kid left and then they come back. <laughs> Bye-bye retirement. No, <laughs> no. no. Uh, there's, another, there's another category of people. You do not have kids. You don't plan on having kids. You don't want to live near kids. You don't want to be around them at all. Will you raise your hands? Those are the people I want to sit next to I at the restaurant. The movie theater. Movie theater. I want to yeah. sit next to them in the movie theater. Wherever they sure. are. Absolutely. Uh, your turn. <laughs> Such a smooth transition, Joe. It was so good. Wow. Practice. All right. So as we're going into this conversation today, let me just preface by saying, Joe and I are not perfect parents. We are not. I know that that's a shocker because we, you would think that we would be. Um, and we were, we, we were good parents. I think we did a really, really good, I really do think we really, really did a good job. Um, well, but, I'll say this. When your kids come back and tell you that, then you know that it was the case. Because it's, we have adult children now. So when you go through this stretch, there's a stretch where they think you're terrible for some reason. Uh, but eventually they come back and go, no, that was actually really, really good. And so we know that that's the case, at least. That's good. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you know, nobody's perfect, and we've made a lot of mistakes along the way, and, and Joe and I are open books, so we're willing to share our mistakes and our successes, right? So, Absolutely. So we'll just get that out of the way first. Everybody thinks they're perfect parents or that they will be perfect parents, and everybody thinks they're an expert in parenting until they actually have kids, <laughs> and that's a totally different thing. If that was my kid, don't you remember doing that in a restaurant before we had kids? If that was my kid doing that right now, well, you don't know. You don't know until you're a parent what you're going to do. Um, we are talking about raising G-rated kids in an X-rated world, and so I, I will tell you we're not going to focus on any of the X-rated world stuff because we all know I can share stats with you and I can give you all kinds of information on things that are going on in the world around us that, that make it difficult to be a parent raising a child, but you guys already know, and so Joe and I are much more about uh, giving you guys hope. 
on how to raise your G-rated kids. And so, and then we also want to start with the end in mind. And the end in mind being this. I, I know when I was raising my kids, one of the things that I, I consciously reminded myself of on a, on a regular basis was, I'm not raising kids. I'm raising an adult. Mm -hmm. My job here is to raise an adult. Um, because the goal, the end in mind, is what kind of adult is this going to be? And so if I have the perspective while I'm raising my children, if I have the perspective of what I'm teaching them right now will lead into their adulthood, it'll change everything that I do. Um, I, I took um, uh, child education classes in college years and years and years ago. And one of the things that I learned that it was shocking to me, don't laugh, that I said years and years and years, shut up. How many I know years? Exactly what you were, knew exactly what you were thinking. Years and years and years and years ago, <laughs> I used some classes. There was a, we had chalkboards and beads. You said it. <laughs> yeah, Shut one classroom. All anyway, the children. anyway. Red building, a steeple I, on top with the bell. <laughs> Anyway, one of the things that I learned that was really surprising to me is that children will learn 50%, hear this, 50% of everything they will ever know, they will learn by the age of five. Doesn't matter how far they go in their education, 50% of everything they will ever know. And most of that is how to submit to authority, is respect, is how to, how to obey, um, how to interact with others, how to begin to, um, to see outside of their little egocentric selves. 50% uh, of everything they will ever learn, they will learn by the age of five. I had, a, I had somebody I was very, very close to who would not tell her daughter no, would not. And her daughter, whom I loved, was a holy terror. And holy terror. And I can remember, we were close enough that I can remember saying, you know, it might be helpful if every now and then you use the word no. And she's like, oh, she's just little. When she starts kindergarten and I, and I need her to behave when she goes to school, I'll start teaching her those things. All right. So she now lives on the streets. She's a drug addict. She just got out of jail two months ago. That was her third stint in jail. And... She doesn't have any self-control. She doesn't know how to say no. She doesn't know how to submit to authority. She doesn't understand the concept of respect. And a lot of that is those first five years, y'all. It's big. It's a deal. Mm -hmm. It's a deal. So we're going to start with the five C's. These are five principles that are life-changing principles. Again, not just for parents, but for all of us. If all of us can attain and then impart to our kids or our grandkids or our spiritual mentors or, you know, whatever it might be, spiritual babies, whatever, if we can attain for ourselves and impart these principles, they will insulate us and our children from being completely inundated by the culture around us. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, beginning with the end in mind, here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. We want to see our kids develop a degree of confidence. That's what we want to see in their lives, that they would be self-confident. Uh, and it's the whole self-image idea, right? That they'd feel good about themselves. And I'm not talking about being cocky or arrogant, okay? That's not the deal at all, uh, because that is always leaning back towards more insecurities. 
This is, this is them being confident in who they are because they know whose they are. That's right. Right? That's right. It's an identity factor, and recognizing who they are in Christ builds that confidence that right. they can have through this. Look at what uh, God said to Joshua in uh, chapter 1, verse 9. It says, remember that I have commanded you to be determined and what? Confident. Confident. And then he says, why? Don't, do not be afraid or discouraged, for I, Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. He is there with us. So you can be confident in that. Okay. The next one we're going to talk about is character. That, that our kids would have a moral compass, right, by which they mm -hmm. make their decisions. I know it is not a popular concept in our culture that there are absolute rights and there are absolute, there are absolute wrongs, but there are. Most things have absolute black and whites. Most things do. Our culture doesn't like that. Our, our culture wants to say, well, what's good for you is good for you, and what's right for me is right for me, and peace, love, and happiness. Hawkwash! No, there are many, many absolutes. Look at the Bible. They're in there, I promise you. Are there some areas of gray? Sure, there are some areas of gray. But much of life and much of morality and character comes down to things that are absolute. And so, and so um, I, I think that everybody should strive to be a person of character, and here's why. Because in Romans 5, 3, and 4, it says this. We take pride in our problems... That's my problem, liar. We take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. Yes. Endurance produces character, and character produces what? Who needs hope? Mm. Right? We need hope. We are yes. a people that need a little bit of hope. Mm -hmm. And so, and I would submit to you, whether you are a Christ follower or not, that that these these characteristics that make individuals more ind moral individuals, these characteristics are really grounded in biblical principles. I see them in the Big Ten. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. I see them in the words and the actions of Jesus. Forgive. Turn the other cheek, right? Forgive. Turn the other cheek. Be willing to take the coat off your back and give it to somebody who's in need. So recognize true, honest, and real needs and be willing to do something about it. Be willing to love everybody. Be willing to love, accept, and forgive everybody regarding uh, disregarding race or culture or ethnicity. Be willing to love, love, love. These are things that build character, and I see a lot of those character traits in um, in the Word of God and in the personhood of Jesus. Amen. We also want to see uh, within them to build and develop a sense of conviction. All right, we're talking about your beliefs. These are your beliefs. Uh, everybody has beliefs. The question is, what are your beliefs rooted upon? What is it? What exactly is it that your convictions stand up with? Are they rooted on God's Word and God's ways uh, which is what we come to know as a Christian worldview, or, or are they just based on whatever you feel at whatever time, right? It's a subjective truth, or it's a relative truth. Whatever you want to do, that's your truth, and that's your conviction. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says this, happy, happy are those who don't listen to the wicked, who don't go where sinners go, who don't do what evil people do. And then watch it, they love the Lord's teachings, and they think about those teachings day and night. One of the things that's so interesting about this is how these two work together, the conviction and characters, right? Because a lot of, a lot of parents will try to do it. They'll try 
to get their kids to have this character, but without the right convictions to base it upon. And so what happens then with that, ch- that child, with that children's, yeah. what happens with them yeah. children's yeah. is what they end up saying, when mom and dad are around, they're doing all the right things, <clears throat> right? They're saying the right things, they're doing the right things, but then when mom and dad are gone, where'd those convictions go? They throw them out the window. They're just pretending. And so that instills the character of who they are. We were talking about the integrity aspects of it all. Yeah, integrity being, a true mark of integrity is what will you do when nobody knows what you're doing? Yep. Right? What decision will you make? What action will you choose when nobody knows what your decision or your action is? It's going to be, it's going to be, it's, it's hidden. Right. What, what decisions do you make? That's the true mark of integrity. Right. For sure. So when they're hiding that stuff, the convictions are so important because if they're hiding that stuff from mom and dad, what happens when they get into the world and they're faced with the temptations that they're going to be faced with? Right. So we have to base those convictions on God's word and what it needs to be rooted on. There's a great resource, by the way, if you want to get an incredible book uh, from Banning Liebscher called Rooted. It tells, talks all about this stuff. It's Fantastic. I highly recommend it. Okay. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is compassion, that we would be a people of compassion, that we would teach our children to see beyond our homes, beyond our neighborhoods, beyond, uh, beyond whatever. We realize that not everybody is living the American dream, right? We realize that, that well, 50%, 50% of the world is poverty stricken poverty stricken. I can't talk. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I'm not on medication. Yeah. I promise. Um, poverty stricken. But we also see that, that a growing, an ever growing population of people within the United States are living with food insecurity, meaning they don't know if they're going to have a meal today. That we would raise our children to be people of compassion. Mm that they would see true, honest, and real needs, and they would be moved by compassion to do something about it. Uh, Colossians 3.1, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion. And what? Kindness. And what? Humility. And what? Gentleness. And Patience. what? Patience. <laughs> somebody said, oh, no, Patience. Think about those five things. If you just had a little fairy dust, you could just sprinkle those five things over all of humanity. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how different your daily life would go about? If everybody that you interacted with, including yourself, and you interacted with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and Mm. patience, can you imagine the difference? It would be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. The last one I want you guys to write down uh, ultimately is competence. That they would live a competent life, right? And this is talking about they would understand their gifts and the skills that they have, right? That this is, again, coming back to their identity and who they are in Christ and how he's created them. So for them to recognize that and to be competent in how God has created them and in who they are. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 1.19. Holding on to faith... Uh, and good conscience, which some have rejected and have suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. We see this because it's a lack of identity when there's a shipwreck of their faith. 
It's a picture of what I want our kids to look like. It's a prayer that I have for all of yours as well. And I, I just want to tell you guys, by the way, as we're going through this stuff, I just want to make sure you understand, we're just trying to enhance our odds, okay? <laughs> like, that's what's really happening here. Uh, th there's no perfect parenting formula. There's nothing that is going to be perfect all the time in every single way and something that we can do. Uh, you know what we've seen? We've seen some... Great kids come out of some crummy homes. Yep. And we've seen some terrible, rotten children come out of some spectacular homes. Like, it's just like, it's amazing. It when doesn't have to be one extreme to the <laughs> other, I'm just saying. There's an element to, of mystery to it. There really yes. is. Yes, and so is. all we're trying to do is to try to enhance our odds as we are, what Kathleen talked about, is raising these adults. And so what we want to do now with you guys is just talk about three things. Three things that kids need from caring adults. We want to talk about those three things. And please understand me, there are more than three things that they need, okay? Uh, but we're just highlighting these today. And what I would love for you guys to do it's maybe in your small group or just getting together with some other families or something. Talk through some other things. Like, like we can go through these, but maybe you could add to the list and open that up in your discussion. Right. So the first one we're going to talk about, and it's there in your notes, is belief. Belief. And next to that, you might want to write down belief in the value of being a parent. Mm. Belief in the value of being a parent. Um, you've got to know, guys, as a parent, you play such a significant role. Statistics will tell you, kids will tell you. You have probably said it about your parents in the past and haven't thought about it as you as a parent. You are so highly significant to your kids. You are so significant. If you don't, if you don't see your significance, then you will begin to see yourself as just like a shift manager in your own, in your own bed and breakfast at your, at your own house. You are not a shift manager at your own bed and breakfast at your own house. You are a highly influential individual in your home. And let me just say this to you, too. You're, what your kids are learning from you is way more caught than taught. So the whole, like, do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. <laughs> Does not work because your kids are catching way more than what you're teaching, way more than what you're teaching. And on that idea, by the way, of a shift manager, can I tell you one of my major pet peeves? Can I tell you? Can I tell you? You're going to. I'm going to. Major pet peeves is when, is when I'm talking to another woman, women, I'm talking to, listen, listen, I'm talking to us, men, I'm talking about you, so listen. <laughs> is when we women go, want to go out to movie, a movie with a couple, of, a couple of friends or we're going to a women's event or we're doing this and we're doing that. And then we go, yeah, my husband is babysitting the kids tonight. <laughs> what? Your husband is not babysitting your children. He's parenting your children. <laughs> and when you say my husband is babysitting my children and you ask your husband, hey, will you babysit the children so that I can go to a movie with my friends? You are devaluing your husband's parental role. <laughs> Husbands, if you perceive yourself as babysitting, you are devaluing yourself as a major contributor a major contributor to who your kids are. Statistics actually say that fathers are more influential on their children's lives than mothers. Did you know that? 
Fathers are even more. Does that prove to be true in what we see when we talk about kids and the major influences in their lives? I'm sorry, toes, watch them. The answer is no. Why? Because oftentimes the mothers are way more invested than the fathers are. That is not okay. That is not okay. Our kids need their dads. If you look back at the history of our culture, you look back at the history of the United States. I'm going. Sorry. I see that. You look back at the history of We're the United States. We're going to be late States. today, folks. <laughs> Over the last hundred years, and you start tracking where society started going downhill, where crime started increasing, where gang where gangs started forming, where violence started increasing, where domestic violence started increasing, where divorces started increasing, it is, it is when fathers started stepping out of the picture. And it's when mothers stopped letting fathers be a part of the picture. We are part of the problem, moms. We are part of the problems because these are your children's daddies. And God made them to be a pivotal role. Mamas, God made us to be a pivotal role. There is a balance in everything that we are doing. And our kids need both of us desperately. So nobody is on shift change duty here at a bed and breakfast. We are in this 100% together all the time because these are our babies. And these are our future. Sorry. Ooh, I got into that one just a little bit. So I'm All right, we'll give you the rest online. <laughs> you have a couple of scriptures there. I'm going to blow past them. Just go read them. Psalm 27 talks about how children are a gift from the Lord. And Mark, Mark 9, 26 and 27 talks about Jesus saying, if you welcome little children, you welcome me. If you welcome little children, you welcome my Father in heaven. Because the innocence of children is beautiful to the Lord. And the innocence of children will teach us about the pure heart of our God. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You investing in your children is worth every ounce of your time and your interest and your investment. It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. Mm. That was excellent. Feeling my feels. Oh, you know what? Hold on, I have more to say. Hold on. Wait, no, do I want to say this? Okay, I'm going to say one last thing. I'm going to say one last thing. Oh, shoot. Nah, we're already at 11.30. Go. <laughs> no, we're not. We're at 11.24. Oh, I'm going to talk. Wait. Okay, one more. One more. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whose idea was Let's this? Go. Shush. Meg. If we don't... If we don't control our calendars, our calendars control us. Do you all know that? Mm -hmm. You will own your calendar or your calendar will own you. I'm just telling you. And no matter who you are, I don't care who you are, I'm telling you that there are times you have to evaluate which is in control right now, this calendar or me. I, 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 when my kids were little, I stayed home for the first eight years with them. So I was with them all the time, and I was still very active in ministry, and at some point I went uh, to work for the church, and I was working from home part-time, and so I was just, I was very, very busy doing all these different things, and Joe's working a full-time job, and he's very active in ministry, and we had gone to the church on a, it was a Tuesday night, doing a, a weekend debrief with all of the other uh, pastors, and I can't remember if it was on the way to or on the way back, but we hadn't had time to, to make dinner. Our kids were with us at the meeting because um, there were other kids, and they played, and it was great. Um, but we stopped at a fast food restaurant um, to get them something to eat, because we hadn't had time to do that. And Jessica, who is my little singer, is in the back seat, and everything that she did was sing-songy. And she goes, I know what you're doing. 
And I was like, what? I know what you're doing. And I go, what are we doing, baby? And she goes, you are trying to teach me how to be busy. <laughs> and I looked over at Joe, who was in the passenger seat, and I go, that's a problem. We, we got to make some adjustments like now. That's a big deal. The wisdom that just came out of that mouth, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. We were out of whack. We were, we were out of order. Guys, ministry gets away with it from us or gets a hold of us in a beautiful way. Our careers get a hold of us in a beautiful way. There are, th- there are so many things that we're passionate about. But what has to be first? Your kids, your family, it has to be first. And will there be times that you will have to, like, hit the reset button because you realize, ooh, this is a little out of whack? Yeah. You're going to have to hit the reset button. Be willing to take the honest step back Mm -hmm. and to go, where are we right now? What's, What's running my household? Am I running my household or is my calendar running my household? And on that, I will shut up. The second thing that you want to write down is what do our kids need from us is our, they need our presence, right? And I know that there's another way to spell that with a T. That's what they want, <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about. There's also another way to spell it, and that is T-I-M-E, okay? That's what they need. They need that from you and I. Uh, it is one of the major contributing factors to healthy kids points back to present parents in their lives and being there and with them. Uh, There are parents that want to subscribe to the theory of quality time over quantity time. Hogwash. And what I would simply say to you is, that's wrong. It just does not have the impact that you think it does, especially when we're talking about caught and taught, right? If you're consistently putting your own needs above your kids' needs, there's some real reevaluation that needs to happen in our lives. Um, We have to look at that. Some of the things that uh, uh, I, we have learned from kids and I, just being in ministry, being around them, being in the school part, is uh, uh, they would so much rather have your presence than your money. Yep. I'm telling you that right now. They would much rather you be plugged in and doing things with them in their school and their activities than you working these insane hours so that you can have a Harley Davidson and jet ski. And give them the new and, PS uh, 25. The, all the, the <laughs> It's coming. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they just stop for a minute. <laughs> they need you in their lives. And they need your presence in their lives. And actually, uh, it's a big deal to God, right? Like God's theological framework is about presence. Do you know that? And his presence with his people. And so, so much so that it was such a big deal to him that he sent, he came, right? As flesh, Jesus Christ to the earth. Why? To be present with us. The word became flesh to be present with us. And if you have said yes to Jesus, you've stepped over that line, he's in your life, guess what now the Bible says? Now he lives within you. His presence is a big deal. Presence is a huge deal to God. I like what you were talking about for service about perceived presence and actual presence. Can you talk about that? Mm -hmm. Presence is such a big deal to him. Um, 
But I know what happens, and I know what, what parents will say, is they'll say things like, well, I'm around my kids a lot. Okay, <laughs> what, but, but what does that look like, right? Uh, I work from home, or I stay at home. And something that I've learned about this whole thing with presence is presence isn't just being there, okay? There's more to it than that. Here's my question to you. Are you there just physically, or is your heart there for them as well? Are you engaged? Do they know without a doubt that you are available to them, whatever it may be? Do your kids believe that? Do they believe that you're available to them? The, the issue uh, of presence isn't just that. And you can write these two words down if you want. It is the perceived presence. What do your kids see? Uh, recently, this was incredible, uh, a survey done at Harvard, a 10-year study on this. The number one, the number one contributing factor to rage, anger, and hostility, like in your children, like what would it be? What, I mean, like for me, when I'm reading those things, I'm like, well, maybe they were abused, uh, what you were talking about, like poorly disciplined by the parents, like uh, they didn't get an iPad when they were three, right? Like what, what is it, right? What is causing that? No, the number one contributing factor to anger, rage, and hostility is the perceived inaccessibility of one or both of the parents. That is wild, man. So give an example. I liked your example that you had. I don't remember which example I gave. You were talking about, you were talking, you know what? <laughs> okay, because I, I do, because I thought it was go really ahead, good. Go good job. Here. Okay. I thought it was really good. I don't remember. Because one of the things that he was talking about is you can be sitting in the room with your kids and have your cell phone in your hand and not hear a word that they say. Mm-hmm. Because your cell phone has all of your attention. Now, you're in the room, and you're like, uh, okay. Yeah, I see you. No. But your kids know this has your, they know this has your attention. This has your attention. This is perceived presence. Because pre- you're physically present, but you are not mentally, uh, emotionally tuned in. You're not present, and they know it. Yeah. They know it. They know that you aren't listening. They I am going to talk it. about that with some of these things. I put this in your outline, and if you'll write this down, uh, some of the pra- let's get practical because I don't want us to just theorize this stuff. I want to give you guys like real tools, practical things to work with. So uh, write these down. Here's some things that I want you to do. Consider your personal sacrifices. Like what could that be, right? Your phone. There could be some things that it are just it's just taking you away from your kids. Whatever that could possibly look like. Uh, you might need to sacrifice something so that your children aren't sacrificed. That's right? Good. Are you tracking with me? Yeah, Here's good. another one to write down. Write this one down that to consider. That is career sacrifices. What, what's something that you are doing in your career that you don't have to do to survive? You don't have to do for a good life for your family. But it's because you want to go that extra. It's your drive. It's to keep, have the bigger car and the bigger house and all the things. And is that, in doing that, that's why I say consider. I'm not saying it's happening. But in doing that, in doing that, are your children being sacrificed in an area? The other one I want you to write down is to ditch the cell phone when you're with your kids. I know that that's easier said than done. Believe me. Yep. One of the things that I had to try to do with myself, with, with the girls when they were younger, is I had to stop doing it in the car. Like, I had to abandon it in the car. Like, I had them with me in the car. They're trapped. 
right? <laughs> like, I have them. So we can spend this time talking and singing and doing whatever silly things that we're going to do and not have any distractions with that. But what would happen is I'd say I'm taking my kid to the game and I'm taking them to the game and the entire way there, I'm on the phone the entire time doing business stuff or ministry stuff or just talking to a friend that I haven't talked to in however long. Like they can all be these things that we can say, oh, absolutely, I should do this. Or, I, you know, like we can say that they're legit. But am I sacrificing my kids in the process? And then the other one is to focus, to face them and give them feedback. I, I have literally had my kids grab my face and turn them so that I would look at them because I was like sitting on the computer or doing something, right? And it's like, back away from the computer with your hands up, right? And face them and focus and give them your attention. They have value. You have to show them that they have value. And so that's on you and me to be able to do that. And it was an area that I struggled with big time. And I had to figure that out with my kids. I didn't want them to think that they were not valued. Yeah, that's good. So. That's good. Okay, so we had belief, we had presence, and now we have memories. Um, I, I mean, good kids need good memories, right? Right? Do you, do you sit around and reminisce with your family, right, about all of these great things, about growing up and these funny stories and fun things that happen? I, I remember... I remember clearly some of the best times of my life, which is going to sound so dumb, was the two hours that we were trapped in the car together when we were driving from Tulsa to Oklahoma City to go spend the weekend with family. And me and my sister and my mom and my dad, we would just talk for two hours. We were just, all of us would just sit and talk together. And, um, and I, I loved those conversations. I, we, I, I'm an Okie, so a lot of Okies, we have big families, right? And so whether it's a birthday or holidays or just somebody came into town, we're going to gather. There's going to be like 40 to 75 of us, and we're all going to bring food, and we're all going to play games, and we're going to play cards, and there will be a football game out on the grass because it's the logs here in Oklahoma. And we will have a good time. We will laugh, and we will have a good time. I remember those. I remember those so well. I remember Grandpa used to always call me sister. Come here, sister. Give, give Grandpa a hug your sister. I remember grandma had the softest skin. Her skin was so soft that us 40-some grandkids talked about, had the minister talk about it as one of the things we remembered most fondly about our grandmother at her funeral. Is that the weirdest thing ever? Because we would just sit and just pet her. Because she was so soft. I don't know why grandma was so soft, but grandma, I know, I know, but grandma was so soft. Grandma was so soft. I remember on those weekends that we would go and we would, spend, we would spend the weekends in Oklahoma City and I would stay at Aunt Donna's house and we would wake up to the smell of the best breakfasts. Aunt Donna always made the best breakfasts. We had such great memories. And, 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 and really, our, our lives are kind of museums that are just filled with all of these mm -hmm. different memories that you want to go back and you want to look good. on. Now, some of you, I know that when I say memories, you go, if you're going to come through my museum, it's... it's it's not necessarily going to be a joy walk. I get that. The I understand haunted mansion. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I get that. But let me say to you, at this point, you get to decide what memories go in your museum. Mm -hmm. You get to start creating your own memories with you, with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your, with your mentees, with your spiritual babies. You get to start creating your own memories. Create your own memories. 
flip the script. For some of you, it's time for you to flip the script, guys. And so how do we create memories? Well, make up traditions, y'all. I don't care what they are, just do them. We did like Christmas Day, we made a birthday cake and I left it plain and the kids got to decorate the birthday cake with happy birthday Jesus. They still remember that. They loved that. We did birthday boxes. We did all kinds of just we just did things, just create memories, and then mm -hmm. capture those memories. In this day and age, there's absolutely no reason at all whatsoever to not be capturing memories. Right. Um, I, I, on a regular, every week, every week between the four of us, me and you and Jesse and Allie, every week there is some kind of communication that opens up with, with us because we have a group, uh, Parks 4. We have a Parks 4 um, text group together. And every single week, somebody posts a picture or a, hey, a, you know, five years ago today, this happened, or blah, blah, or hey, do you guys remember this time, whatever, mm -hmm. forever many years ago, we were on vacation and we were here, do you remember when this happened? Not kidding, every week, something comes up, mm -hmm. and we just, we have a little laugh together because we remember the, the, the things together. So right. capture your memories, and then prioritize vacations. Now listen, listen. For some of you, you're like, yeah, we go on vacations all the time. For some of you, we're, you're like, we never go on vacations because we can't afford vacations. Yes, you can. You don't have, they don't have to be fancy. They just have to be like, get out of the norm. So go to a family member's house and do backyard barbecues and hang out and play cards and play games and keep it simple. Go, go camping somewhere and take all of your own food. It does not have to be expensive. Do a staycation and do like a day where you, we did this, we totally did this, remember this? Where we would have like um, movie night and we would set up concessions stands and we would give them fake money and so they could come buy stuff with the on the concession stands and then we would have like intermission and we would do all the different things and then you know you can do things like that you can do uh scavenger hunts in your house ooh, ooh, scavenger hunts in your house with all the lights out and with flashlights so fun so fun do stuff like that we we did stuff like that all the time um build a a sheet sheet, two E's. Build a sheet city in your home. You will never have more fun with your kids than when you build a sheet city in your home, and then everybody sleeps on pallets in the middle of the sheet city. You say blanket. These, blanket sounds better. It's a, whatever. Blanket it, fort. It's your whole house taken over, though. It's like the whole thing. That's so much. These are staycations. Do something. Find ways to spend this time together, to hang out together, to create adventures, whatever that looks like. Mm. Create adventures with your family. And listen, it kind of goes back to what Joe was talking about earlier. Your kids would rather be out in an old beat-up clunker car going to do something fun with you than to have a Mercedes-Benz sitting in the driveway and you're not doing a darn thing except playing on your PS4 while dad's playing... Whatever. I don't know. What do dads play? Stuff. Done. <laughs> Done. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much. Not this dad. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say solitaire, but that dates me even more. I love to play solitaire. Hey, I remember back when we were in school and we'd play solitaire by ourselves and it was fun. That was a lot of fun. Because it's you're you're competing against yourself. Yeah, I'm so going to win. I am the toughest competition. All right, folks. Memories are huge. Create them. Create them. Amen. Um, it's never too late to start with your kids, with your spouse, with your parents, with your siblings, with your covenant relationships. Create memories. Um, and let me say this. All of these things that we're talking about, belief and presence and memories, they don't, they don't happen on their own. You have to be intentional. 
You have to do it on purpose. It won't happen if you don't do it on purpose. You have to intentionally choose to make these things happen. So uh, there is a scripture that is not in your outline, so I want to give it to you. Write this down. Very important. Proverbs 2, 3 through 13. Listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. Because you can't do it on your own, right? You need, you need God in the midst of this. Mm -hmm. And so it says this in verse 3. Cry out for wisdom beg for understanding, search for it like silver, hunt for it like hidden treasures. Then you will understand respect for the Lord and you will find that you know God. I love that, that you know God. Only the Lord gives wisdom. He gives knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom. Listen, he stores up wisdom for those who are honest. Like a shield, he protects the innocent. This is the picture of the character that we talked about earlier, right? He makes sure that justice is done, and he protects those who are loyal to him. Then, everybody say then. Then. So here's the follow-through. Here's the reward. Then you will understand what is honest and fair, what is good and the right thing to do. We talked mm -hmm. about absolute rights and wrongs. Then you will understand, right? Wisdom will come into your mind and knowledge will be pleasing to you. Good sense will protect you. Understanding will guard you and it will keep you from the wicked. Who wants a little wisdom? Yep. Who wants a little wisdom? It says cry out, cry out, mm. cry out.